Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. We share good news and godly wisdom to empower you to be salt and light in every season of life. God is the master of breakthroughs, and the battle belongs to Him. We've heard this said many times, but how do we live in this truth and see it realized in our own lives? In just a moment, Doug will equip, empower, and encourage you to see your breakthrough so that you can be the godly influence God desires you to be in every circumstance. But first, we have a resource that Somebody Cares has made freely available to you, a 30-day devotional that will lead you deeper in your walk with the Lord. You can download this free devotional at awardinseasonpodcast.net. This is also a great place to find some of Doug's blogs. As Doug shares now, you'll hear four keys that create an atmosphere for breakthrough. God's about to bust something wide open in our lives. As we fix our gaze on Him and persevere, we will see His divine intervention in our lives so we can be part of the supernatural expansion of His kingdom. Now let's join our host, Doug Stringer. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. We find that in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and inferred throughout Scripture. At the end of 2021, I did a series and began to share about the importance that we need, I need breakthroughs. As I cried out to God, I remember sitting on my porch at the end of 2021, having a cup of coffee and some devotion time. And this overwhelming sense as I just sat there and said, God, I need a breakthrough. We, your people, need a breakthrough. I shared some of that in a previous podcast as well as the end of the year podcast that I shared in 2021. I was sharing in in various services about the importance of the master of the breakthrough and that we need a breakthrough. But the criteria, I believe, in aligning with God for breakthroughs and scripturally certain things that would bring a breakthrough, including praise, thanksgiving, generosity, the place of seeking God and coming under alignment with Him, recognizing that we are the living worshipers before God. But today, I want to do the final version of unpacking that particular teaching. And I want to take us to Second Chronicles chapter 20, where it does say, The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. I love the theme that we find in Second Chronicles 20 where he does say the battle belongs to God. And when Jehoshaphat was informed that a great army was coming against Israel, he went before the Lord in prayer and fasting. Now, hold on to those for a moment, because I know there has been, I believe, a corporate anointing, because when you have hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people at the beginning of the year, many went on Daniel fast, 21-day fast, 30-day fast, in fastedness and a corporate prayer. There was something about that, that when we're all seeking God together in this corporate way. And so the first part of 2022, people have been fasting all over the country and around the world. And I feel like there's a significance to that. And so it says in verse 14 and verse 15 in 2 Chronicles 20, Then the Spirit of the Lord came, and he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, with exclamation mark, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Now let me just stop for a moment as we unpack that, at least in my perspective. It's not just about being afraid or dismayed of the great multitude, but we're 
all so overwhelmed with these last couple of years and things being exasperated with COVID and wars and rumors of wars and conflicts all over the world, China and Russia, Ukraine, Afghanistan. There's so many things and divisiveness in our own country and polarization. And I still believe our hope for the next generation, our hope for where we are today is for a church united, not divided. Yet the enemy is doing everything to create tension, division, racially, politically, in every way to divide and conquer the church. If the church is divided, how can we reach the soul of a nation or a generation anywhere throughout the world? I've taught so much on that over the years, so I'm not going to do that right now, but I believe there is a spiritual dynamic to the context in which we're living today. And so that's when we look at verse 17 realizing there's been great multitude that we should not be afraid of or dismayed, and the battle is not ours but God's. So in verse 17 in Second Chronicles 20, he says, you will not need to fight this battle. When we come to understanding that we don't have to do the fighting ourselves, if we align ourselves properly with God, God does the fighting for us. In fact, it says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them or against these things that come against you, for the Lord is with you. In response, Jehoshaphat took a position, or what I call a posture of humility. And it says, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. That was in verse 18. Now, I love what this says because there's so much in that one verse. A posture of humility when he bowed his head with his face to the ground. So we see two things here. Posture of humility in the place of worshiping God in prayer and true worship, being offering ourselves as living worshipers. Verse 19 says, Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Verse 19, there's something about praise that gives breakthrough. There's a posture of humility and our faces bowed before God to the ground that brings that place of true humility that then we can stand in prayer and offer ourselves as living worshipers And then praise comes from our mouth, and that's the breakthrough. God is now attracted to that, and he is the one who fights on our behalf. Notice the progression. They start with a posture of humility, heads faced toward the ground. I know often for me, when I just don't know what to do, I call it knee posture. And then I just go and I just lay, literally prostrate on the ground before the Lord. I just lay there with my arms stretched out and Oftentimes, I just sit there and lay there just pondering on the things of God, saying, God, there's nothing without you. I am nothing without you, Lord. We need you, God. Our hope is in the Lord. So the progression is humility, heads face toward the ground. And then this causes us to be those living worshipers, that we worship in spirit and in truth, offering authentic worship out of our humility and prayer. And in worship, God equips us. And we are able to rise up to praise the Lord with voices loud and high. See, there's something about thanksgiving and the praise that comes from a heart of gratitude. We see in Luke 17 that Jesus heals 10 lepers. Remember the story of the 10 lepers? He heals 10 of them. But only one comes back to thank him for the healing. Now, if you look at the original text, 
It says all 10 were healed of leprosy, but only one came back to say thank you or had a heart of gratitude. So they were all healed, but the one that was made whole or complete was the one that came back with a heart of gratitude. There's something in that that we need to ponder. Many times we're always saying, God, do this for me. God, help me here. And we're always begging him. But we forget to come back and thank the Lord when he answers our prayers or when he moves on our behalf or sometimes does things by not answering our prayers directly because he knows better that asking our selfish prayers or our our personal fleshly prayers are not good for us. So he finds a different way to get us to the place of walking in victory. So there is something about thanksgiving and attitude of thanksgiving and gratitude and praise. It comes from our heart of gratitude that God sees and God makes us whole. When God does something with us and when we beg him and he answers or we come before him with supplication and he answers us, let us also be cognizant of thanking him, not just going to the next thing saying, God, okay, you did that. Let's go here to the next place or do this for me. Gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy as we used to joke about. When he begins to move on our behalf, see, he's not our sugar daddy in the sky. God, do this. God, do that. God, do this for me. God, do that for me. See, he's not that sugar daddy in the sky, but when he does begin to move and we're in his presence, we should stand before him rejoicing and praising him, thanking him with a heart of gratitude so that we can be made whole like the one leper that came back of the 10 that were all healed, but only one came back with a heart of gratitude. So we should need to be those who believe so we can be established. So as we continue in 2 Chronicles 20, we read in verses 20 through 22. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. Let me say it again. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. In other words, believe to be established. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets and you shall prosper. Let's believe his word, his prophet, the prophetic word of God that we sometimes are waiting for people to give us this word when we need to get back into God's word because God is already speaking. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe in his prophets and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. You've probably heard many times in teachings of the importance of the tribe of Judah going out. And the idea was that the Levites and the priests and and the tribe of Judah would go out before the actual battle praising God. There's something about praise going before us because when we praise God, God is already working on our behalf. And we see that throughout scripture. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Throughout scripture, we see many times where when God does battle for us, What we begin to do is get in alignment with God, have an attitude of gratitude, a posture of humility, humbling ourselves before God, praising God, worshiping God, worshiping in truth and worshiping him in spirit. And when we do that with authenticity, restoring the offering or to say to restore the altar of authentic worship, when we worship in spirit and truth, God does something that only he can do. And so the key here is that we are to believe in the Lord our God and he will establish us. 
believe his prophets, believe his word, and we shall prosper. When we truly believe God and his word, we shall walk in victory and deliverance and healing and prosperity. See, from the tribe of Judah, Jehoshaphat appointed some to go before the army and praising the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. And as they did, the Lord set ambushes against the enemy. He will do the same for you and me when we pray in a posture of humility, offer ourselves as living sacrifices with authentic worship, and then we lift up an attitude of gratitude and praise the Lord in the midst of whatever circumstances we're going through. That's when he causes things to shift on our behalf. We don't have to go after our enemy. God scatters the enemy, scatters those things that are obstacles in our lives, the distractions of our lives when we align ourselves with him. Remember that scripture told us back in verse 14 and 15, it says, first, the spirit of the Lord comes upon us. Second, the battle is not yours, but God's. God's promise is that he gives us divine intervention with breakthrough. See, we are temples of greater value than the temple of Solomon or the holy temples of the past. This brings us back to verse seven through nine because it gives us perspective. And it says this, are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, We will stand before the temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you shall hear and save. So I love it when it says this, if we are the temples of the Holy Spirit, how much more valuable are we than the temple built by Solomon? We are the living temples of the Holy Spirit, purchased by the very blood of Christ, it says in Corinthians. But what I love here is when he says this, here we dwell because we have built you a sanctuary in your name, where you say, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this place or this temple. And we cry out to you in our affliction or our challenges, and we know you will hear and save us. That's where we are. There's so much going on in our lives, so much in our communities around the world. There's so much conflict and things that can overwhelm us in heart. And yet God is the one in our midst who takes care of us in the midst of sword and judgment and pestilence and famine and all these difficulties because we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And when we gather in corporate anointing, in corporate worship, there's something that I believe God does that moves in ways only the Holy Spirit can do. When I cry out to God, In this temple that he purchased, he is the one who will hear and save. When we as living temples gather corporately in a posture of humility and prayer, offering ourselves as living sacrifices fully acceptable to God, he picks us up. And then we stand and praise with thanksgiving and gratitude, with our hands lifted up and in a loud voice before God, our praise goes ahead of us. Just like Judah went before the armies of God, before the armies of the living God. He will do all that he, has a pro- that he has promised and appointed in his word for us when we believe in the Lord our God. See, we believe in him and he establishes us. We believe in his word and his prophets and his word and we will be victorious. The word prosperous means that we have the freedom and the victories that God has ordained. He sets an ambush against the things that have come against us. 
He will dissolve, he will diminish, and he will give us the breakthroughs because we've taken a posture of humility and thanksgiving and praise and worshiping in spirit and in truth and having a heart of gratitude. You know, every morning, and I've shared this many times in previous podcasts, I have two primary prayer times, my horizontal prayer time where all I do is just thank the Lord for everything. I don't ask him for anything, no supplications. I just want to show the Lord I have a heart of gratitude. I begin to thank him for everything I can think of, my family and everything else. But then I also say, Lord, I know that I'm nothing without you. There is nothing. Lord, I need you. You're my savior, my healer, my liberator, my deliverer. You're my everything, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that you're my healer spiritually and physically and mentally, emotionally, financially and relationally. As I begin just to lace these gratitudes or attitude of thanksgiving before God, there's something that happens to me. Because I believe that in this temple that God has purchased, as this individual temple, that if I offer myself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which Romans speaks of, when I do that, that God then takes residence in this temple that he owns because my life is not my own. And oftentimes I even pray that, Lord, I know my life is not my own. It belongs to you because this is a temple that you have purchased. And so that's why I love and enjoy worshiping corporately with my brothers and sisters. There's something about when we individually surrender to God in humility and a posture of humility and and prayer and, and being before God and then coming before him in praise, we do so corporately. There's something, I believe, of a corporate release when we do that together. So what brings the breakthrough again? In 2 Samuel 5, chapter 5, verse 20, David recognizes God as the Baal Perazim, the master of the breakthrough. David calls God the Baal Perazim, the master of the breakthrough. But what brings the breakthrough? God wants our hearts. He'll take all of the heavy lifting. If we get aligned with him, we must just get back to the place of the fundamentals and get back to the basics of our relationship. Because as I've said many, many times, the kingdom of God is built on relationships, first with God, then with one another. And the degree of influence that we have in life or to leave to the next generation is determined on the level of those relationships with God and with one another. I believe that relationships give definition to our lives and our destinies. Remember I shared before that one of those things is prayer. Daniel was a man of prayer. In Daniel chapter 10, he was greatly concerned, so he began to pray with fastedness, seeking God without seeing an answer for 21 days. He had no idea what was going on in the unseen realm, but he persisted in prayer with fasting and fastedness and a place of dying to self and saying, God, it's all in your hands. I need a breakthrough. And suddenly, after 21 days, God brought the archangel Michael with the breakthrough. When we engage in authentic prayer, we're not telling God what to do. Instead, we should honestly pour out our hearts to God, just talking with Him. It's in that kind of posture, that kind of prayer that produces intimacy with God. Many times, we look at how overwhelming our circumstances can be, or they are, And we become numb or paralyzed or paralyzed in a way that we can't do anything because we're trying to figure out how to get past the circumstance that we happen to be in at the moment. We don't even want to try. But if we will inquire of the Lord through prayer and obey, the enemy will be defeated. Remember, God scatters our enemies. He causes division in the enemy's camp. And the other thing besides prayer that produces intimacy is praise. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were in prison. Remember this story. But what do they do? They praise God in the midst of their squalid, impoverished conditions. They were imprisoned, 
and God showed up in a supernatural suddenly moment. But at midnight, it says in Acts 16, verse 25 and 26, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. There's something about praise in the midst of our trying or difficult circumstances that brings breakthrough. The disciples praised God, the earth began to shake, and they were set free from prison. We see throughout Scripture that whenever a human possibility is met with praise and the prayer of faith, God becomes our Baal Perizim, the God of the breakthrough. And then we talked about another area that attracts God's presence in these times that bring breakthrough is worship. See, authentic worship attracts God's presence. Isaiah 58 gives us a picture of true worship, which is obedience. In fact, Isaiah 58, 8 talks about the breakthrough for those who worship authentically with obedience. Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall break forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. In the light of this presence, darkness can't dwell. The world is dark and difficult at times, and we need the light of the world to shine in and through His church to see the breakthrough. So there are four things that I believe attract God's presence, and one is honesty with God. His amazing, great, and awesome grace is with us. We don't have to be afraid of God or put on fig leaves to cover up and run from Him because of sin. Instead, we can say, Lord, you see me as the mess I can be at times. He already knows our hearts, but He wants us to be honest with Him and honest with one another. We need to love the truth more than our own flesh. I liked what Bishop Dale Bronner, my friend in Atlanta, says to me, Our passion for God must be greater than our passion for anything else. And the second thing that I believe that attracts God's presence and his favor is holiness. This is not some sort of external piety, but the consecration of our heart. Our lives are not our own. They belong to him. He purchased us with the precious blood of Jesus, and we are the temple of his Holy Spirit. The Bible says we are to worship him in the spirit of holiness, which is the glory due his name. And thirdly, humility. Humility is knowing We can't do what we do without the grace of God in our lives. We need his presence. I always pray, God, I thank you for your great and abounding and amazing grace. And then fourthly, to learn what honor really is. I learned from one of my spiritual fathers that appreciation is attractive. When we honor God by appreciating people, even our enemies are attracted to us. But if we depreciate relationships, they'll never become what we want them to be. There is power in our words in appreciation. And we need to speak life and appreciation into others and be quick to repent and go before God on our knees when we don't. I learned from the late Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole that by showing appreciation, we elevate people. So if we appreciate our spouse or appreciate people we may disagree with, but show respect even in our disagreements, there's something that diminishes the enemy's foothold in those relationships. We can attract God's presence in these ways by honesty and by holiness and humility and honor. And then I also believe that it dispels the enemy's intent. It changes our environment and our circumstances, and it creates a culture for his presence where we can worship him in spirit and in truth. Restoring the altar of authentic worship takes us into the presence of God himself, the Shekinah glory of God, and it changes the atmosphere. Praise is like warfare. 
because praise goes before us in battle. Worship creates an atmosphere that welcomes his presence. His presence changes everything. Scripture teaches that simple obedience to God, I believe, is the highest form of worship. The Israelites quietly walked around the walls of Jericho once each day for six days. On the seventh day, without saying a word, they walked around seven times. After they were finished on the seventh day and on the seventh time around the walls of Jericho, they gave a shout, a victory shout, and the walls came tumbling down. See, God honored their simple obedience, their worship, with an impossible breakthrough. Think about how wide the walls of Jericho were. It was impossible to go into the walls of Jericho, to go inside because it was so big and there was so much guard around it, it was humanly impossible. So then God asked them to do something that was silly in the eyes of men. Can you imagine? Just walk around it once each day for six days. Can you imagine what the people and the guards on the wall were doing and thinking? Thinking, those Israelites are really silly. What do they think they're going to do by walking around? And then on the seventh day, they walked around six times. And then after the seventh time, again, just walking in silence, all of a sudden, the Lord just shows up and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. It could have been an earthquake, whatever happened. However God did it, God did it. But it was one of those things that no individual could take glory for. They just walked in simple obedience to God. And when we give generously of our hearts with extravagant and radical giving of our time, talents, and resources, even when everything else seems to be imploding, that also, I believe, brings breakthrough. In Isaiah 58, verse 7, it says to us, Share our bread with the hungry, shelter the poor, clothe the naked, and care for our families. Then the breakthrough comes in verse 8. Some of the greatest miracles in my personal life came during times of greatest need. For example, when Hurricane Katrina hit, we had 21,000 people lined up at my office in Houston because over 250,000 evacuees came from Louisiana and Mississippi to Houston alone, not even counting everywhere else throughout Texas and other places as they evacuated. But 21,000 within days were showing up at my office looking for help in dire need. We didn't even have enough money in the bank to take care of the things we already had. We probably had $100 in the bank at the time. But God supplied in miraculous ways. We never turned one person away. And we ended up receiving and distributing millions of dollars of assistance and giving it throughout the entire Gulf region because we were giving out of our need and giving with generosity, with extravagance. And in fact, we never said no. We just said, God, all we know is we have, it's like the feeding of the 5,000. We were grateful and we took what little bit we had offered in thanksgiving to God and became like that little boy's lunch in the feeding of the 5,000 in scripture where God multiplied what they didn't have for feeding all of the people, just a little boy's lunch. God, by offering in thanksgiving, God multiplied it and they ended up having more than enough. In situations like that many, many times in my life, I've seen where I didn't have anything to take care of the great need before me and to help to minister to the people that God brought my way. But when we offered the little bit that we had in authentic thanksgiving to God, God always multiplied it in supernatural ways. And that's how God gets glorified, when we just walk in simple obedience and say yes to God by being available. Whatever we harvest today is not what we planted today. We're harvesting what we've planted in the past. We should start each day by sowing a seed of generosity of our time, talents, and resources, sowing our lives a seed for the soil of souls. We can make every day a decision to serve God and thus sow into our future by also having his heart to minister to others. When we have extreme generosity, God turns things around. I like what Mike Lynch, one of our relief partners with Ally Force Ministries and Disaster Relief in Minneapolis says. 
If God can't get it through you, he won't get it to you. It's about stewardship, isn't it? God wants us to be extravagant in our generosity. And if he's going to fill us with things or give us resources, he's got to trust us to know that it's not going to stay with us, but we're going to be stewards to get those resources out to the place of greatest need. Attracting the master of our breakthrough. When we humbly pray, offer praise in the midst of our circumstances, worship through simple obedience, which is the highest form of worship, and live generously, we will see God break down barriers and give us the breakthrough or the breaker anointing we need. We will see the master of the breakthrough bring down the walls opposing us, open up the streams of blessing, and give us fresh revelation of himself so that we can have his anointing to break the yokes of bondage in the lives of other people. God's about to bust something wide open, I believe, in our lives. He is our master of breakthrough. And I believe as we fix our gaze on him and persevere, he will see us through all the circumstances we've been going through. And I believe that he will give us a divine intervention in our lives so that we can be part of a supernatural expansion of his kingdom. So let us remember again, the battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.